we'll just be building on what Pastor Davis taught us last Sunday, that is maturing believers. Amen. I'm telling you, church, I pray that when you're coming to church, you don't just say we are going to listen to Pastor Davis. That is good. <laughs> but you are coming to what? To a place of worship, to have your eyes open, to have my eyes open, to drink of the strength and glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so that our church attendance is not just uh, a routine thing. We are expecting to make contact with the supernatural. Amen. So if you go to Hebrews uh, 5, 11 to 14 in the TPT version, Pastor David really uh, ministered from this last Sunday. But see, we have, we have much to say about this topic, although it is difficult to explain because you have become too dull and sluggish. Say, not me. <laughs> so, uh, Deacon Yvonne said, there are some scriptures you don't identify with. <laughs> you know? There are some you say, I'm not like that. I identify with the other one, yeah? So, too dull and sluggish to understand. For you should already be professors instructing others by now, but instead you need to be taught from the beginning the, basic, the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You are like children. Uh, let me see. You are like children still needing milk and not yet ready to digest solid food. It's gone. That is it? Okay. So, what we find here then is that, uh, no, I wanted to go further. It says, for every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced, what happened there? By the revelation of righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters, and they have been adequately trained by what they, are, they have experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. It's quite lengthy. But if you look at that, it talks about spiritual... Let me say this. See, it says, For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. All right? Can I make this statement? Spiritual adults have a revelation of righteousness. Amen. That is, what is righteousness? It's who we have become in Christ, you know? Who, who they are because of what Christ has done. We know who we are because of what Christ has done. You see, we identify with the new birth. I, can I put it this way? We have a national ID. We are mature now. We know who we are. You know, children don't have IDs in Kenya below the age of 18. So we are saying our identity is in Christ. We have a revelation of what? Righteousness. And this is how Pastor Davis put it, be more conscious of spirit life. That is the real you. All right? And I, I, I added something there, Pastor Davis. I said, be conscious of spirit life, of your spirit life, the real new you. The real new you. Because you are no longer just the old person. And we are not just sinners saved by grace. We are new in Christ Jesus. So the, here, the scripture is telling us a revelation of righteousness is a measure of maturity. All right? And you see, it says here, and, uh, and also he's talking about our priorities. What is our priorities? 
And uh, when you look at that scripture right from the beginning, it says, we have much to say about this topic. Let me ask you, which topic? Mozart, 20th Symphony. Is there something like 20th Symphony in Mozart? I don't know. Which, which topic? Heart surgery? No, now we send Dr. Dwiga for that. Right? Nuclear physics? I, I don't think so. So, so, if you go, Pastor Davis used to say this all the time, when you see there for something like this, you need to go back. What did you people share in care? Which topic is this he's talking about? Just kidding. But you find that he is talking about the high priest ministry of Jesus, comparing Jesus to Melchizedek, and how he has brought us what? Salvation through his what? Obedience unto death. And in fact, if you go to chapter 6, it explains it uh, in a much more simpler way. Look at chapter 6, Hebrews 6, 1 to 2, in the NLT version. It says, so let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Listen to this. Surely we don't need to start all over again with the importance of turning away from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Hallelujah. So he's saying this is the topic we are talking about. We are not talking about the second law of thermodynamics or whatever it is. We are talking about repentance and what? Faith in God. Hallelujah. These are, these are the fundamentals, the basics which he says. We don't need to keep going about that. Let me say this. That uh, 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 we need more practice on these topics. That's what he's saying. We need more practice. Look at, uh, if you go back to the previous scriptures, Hebrews 5.14 in the New King James Version says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And the good, uh, in the God Word Version, it says, however, solid food is for mature people whose, mind, whose minds are trained by practice. Say, I am moving, say this with me, I'm moving from the theory to the practical. Amen. That's really what he wants us to do. And uh, when Pastor Davis was receiving tithes and offerings, it reminded me, when you're saying trust. When, 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 when I trust, then I'm not struggling. I, am, I, am, I, I trust because I'm familiar. I know how this works. Let me give you two examples that came to my mind of a this week. There, uh, let me first of all talk about the priorities. So we have a spiritual life which is going to grow from basic issues of repentance and faith in God. As we practice that, as we use that in our daily lives, we are going to grow spiritually and mature as believers. But if we don't do that, then there is the alternative world system. And you can also advance in that system, all right? There were, I was reading two uh, biographies this last week. One is a man of God called Rhys Howard. Actually, both, the, the thing that 
made me interested in this is that both were born, these two men were born in the 1870s, and then they lived through the, uh, the revival in Wales. They saw World War I, they saw the Spanish flu, they saw World War II, and, and all that. So they lived. They, uh, one passed on in 1950, the other one in 1970. So, but they lived very different lives. One man called Reese Howes was a missionary and an intercessor and a teacher of the word of God. The other man is uh, a, a philosopher, a mathematician called Butler Razo. And, and what happened is someone wrote uh, an article on the internet and said, only if someone had introduced Butler Razo to the Bible. Because Reese Howes took hold of the Bible this, when they were youngsters, 11 to 12. Reese Howes focused on the Bible. But this other man, Bertrand Razo, focused on Euclid geometry. You know, have you ever heard of geometry? Triangles, circles, and stuff like that. that, that that's what he was introduced to by his brother. So uh, Reese Howes became a missionary even to Africa, and started a Bible school. And he, the man could hear what Pastor Davis was ministering about uh, uh, Wigglesworth, men who could hear God and walk by faith and do tremendous manifest. Uh, they walked in manifestations of the things of God. But what happened to, so what is this man doing? He's focusing on what? Spiritual things. His priority is spiritual things. Bertrand Razo priority is Euclid geometry. He got disappointed. He realized, what is wrong with this thing? It's not working. Because there is a geometry which is not Euclidean. He didn't know that. Do you know it took 2,000 years for men to discover that the circles, the triangles, the whatever you drew, you draw, it's not all there is. It doesn't explain the universe. They actually used to think. The universe can be explained by that. So he was so disappointed by that. You know, they draw two, have you ever heard of parallel lines? One line like this, another one like that, and another one cutting across them. They say it's a perpendicular line. They cut each other at 90 angles, 90 degree angles. That is not true. <laughs> they, they do, but there are other lines that cut each other, but they are not straight and parallel. That's the thing. So, for more mathematic lessons, you can see me after the service. <clears throat> but Razo was disappointed. He had trusted this thing. So he went on to logic. And he got disappointed because it wasn't working for him. He went on to philosophy. It wasn't working. He said, life is full of contradictions. So when the Russians uh, started the communism thing, he went to Russia. He thought, these people have found a perfect system. So he went to Russia. But in Russia, he found they're as bad as the other bunch. So he went back to the UK. In the meantime, what is happening to Rhys Howes? Rhys Howes is hearing God. God sent him to Africa. He came to South Africa and started a revival like the one they had in Wales. You know, uh, made a lot of converts in Africa. Then went back to UK 
And when he went back to the UK, he started a Bible college. And he started a children's home for missionaries who are going out there. So all I'm saying is two men, one is specializing on what? Mathematics and logic and trying to explain the universe. And he's frustrated. At his death, he became an atheist. Not, he actually, before he died, he, he, he didn't want anything to do with God. And here is another man who is trusting in the Lord, who can hear God very clearly, who is going where God takes him, and he is doing marvelous things for God. Somebody shout amen. amen. So which one do you want? Because you become an expert in the system that you prioritize. That's the point. Whatever you prioritize, you'll become an expert in it. But where is it leading you to? Because Razo, at his dead point, said, you listen, and the only voices you hear is of a drowning man. That man died a miserable man. He couldn't hear God. But Reese Howard would hear God during World War II. He could hear where the bombings are going to take place. He could even advise the military during his time. Or what is he seeing in the spirit realm? Why? He has advanced in spiritual matters. Somebody shout amen. amen. So, then, what we are saying here is that when you practice, we need more practice. James 1, says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What you are going to do is what is your priority and is what is going to become uh, you're going to become perfected in. Amen? Now, there's nothing wrong with maths and logic, but you need to understand that is not all there is in the world, isn't it? God is the answer to everything. Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So, let's look at this other scripture Pastor Davis also uh, brought up last week. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 4. In the New King James Version, says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fend you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there, is, there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Hallelujah. So, so what is here, what I want us to see is the characteristics of immaturity is what? Envy, strife, and what? Division. Amen? And it says here, you see, Paul says, for until now, we are not able to receive it. And even now you're not able, for you're still cannot, right? So immaturity, immaturity is a form of unbelief, right? Because if you're in strife and envy and division, you are not believing God. You're not trusting God. If you are believing God and you trust God, why would you envy my, my, my suit? You can believe God for one. Right? If you have faith and you believe God, why would you get into strife and division? You, you, you are not contending with anyone for anything. You believe God, he'll give you. I believe God, he gives me. 
We are not fighting, right? So it's a form of, I would say, it's a form of unbelief. You, you, you have a problem with faith. And this is the thing. You cannot receive more until you grow over that. That's what he's saying. He could not give them more. You remember Jesus in Nazareth, there he could not do what? Any mighty miracles. Why? They didn't believe him. They said, his father is this, his mother is this, uh, he's just another uh, Nazarene, Nazarene around here, right? The scripture Pastor Davis ministered to us some weeks back, uh, Psalm 78, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They forgot what God had done. So they had no faith in what God can do. And so once that happens, then let me put it this way. You cannot function, if you cannot function without milk, then to that level you are limited. Let me give you a natural example. If a baby cannot function without mama's milk, how far are they going to go in life? Have you ever, uh, Deacon Duncan has left, but I remember years ago we were in care and they had their child and there was conversation that the child is taking too long. Really enjoys breast milk. And there was a discussion. Is it the mom who is not discouraging the fella or why is this youngster, you know, so determined not to let go? And I remember looking at them and saying, Folks, don't you worry. I, I, I don't think there's any reason to get into strife and division over this issue. Let the fellow be, they will grow up. And they will stop. Because, and I told him an example. Are you trying to tell me mama and this fella will be going to school together? <laughs> so that during break, <laughs> this guy comes running to mama. See, to the point that if that was going to happen, then this boy can't go to school. He's limited. You understand? The mother cannot do more and the, father, the boy cannot do more until they do what? Grow over that. Are you going to get, tell me you are going to get married and you are still following your mama? It, it, I mean, that doesn't just make sense. So in the natural, we know it. Unless you grow up, there's a limit. If you don't grow, then there is only that far that you can go. Say, I desire more. I want more of God. Yeah, because that is the way you will what? You and I are only going to advance to that level. The is, the, let's look at the characteristics. You see, the characteristics of immaturity is envy, is strife, is division, is unbelief. And you cannot receive beyond that. So to advance, we got to grow. And we see now the characteristics of growth are what? Are stability, dependability, and you are able to supply, and you are profitable. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 11 to 16 in the New King James Version. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles and uh, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer, look at that, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every weed of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint surprise according to the effect, effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the defying of itself in love. Hallelujah. So the fruit of growth is truth, love, and unity. That's the fruit. That's the visible fruit from this scripture. And what we see here is that from verse 13, our goal is to be what? A perfect man. Our goal is to be a perfect. When you are that word perfect means mature, whole, sound. Mature, whole, sound. You are Christ-centered. Remember Pastor Davis talks, talked about being what? Self-centered. When you are mature, you are Christ-centered as opposed to being what? Self-centered. You are becoming, you become Christ-like. You become an imitator of God. You see, children are easily frightened. See, here it says you are, you are not tossed about. You are not worried. You are not, if you look at Jesus and how he functioned, that's what we want to be. You remember when Jesus showed up, not really showed up, when, when, uh, uh, when he was in a, in a boat and, and the, 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 there were storms. What did he, and they woke him up. What did he say? He said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Why is your faith not functioning? Right? When uh, he came to, uh, to Peter and Peter was, walking on the water and drowning, what did Jesus say? Why did you what? Doubt. See, he's mature. Jesus is mature. He's pulling these people to his level, right? What did he ask? Uh, when he came to the tomb of Lazarus and told <laughs> mother, roll away the stone, and she said, oh no, he is stinking. He's been dead four days there. Jesus didn't say, accept and move on, right? He said what? Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see what? The glory of God. You'll see the power of God. If you do what? You believe. Why, why was Jesus asking those kind of questions? Why were his questions pointing back to faith? Because if I, see, if I tell you, accept and move on, my next question to you is, Move on to where? I'm in a crisis. I'm in COVID-19 situation. I'm in all these things. Move on to where? And Jesus is saying, yeah, what you do is to rise up to faith. That is pulling me out of my current situation where I'm disadvantaged because when I step up, when I let my faith grow, then I'm mature like him. What he's saying is, I'm doing these things by faith, and you can do them. And so the scriptures say what? In, uh, in Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, Ephesians 5, 1 to 2 in the Amplified Bible, it says, therefore become, let's read together, 
imitators of God, then copy him and follow his example. Praise the Lord. So you can show up in a crisis situation and you are to conduct yourself like what? Jesus. Remember we said you are a doer of the word. You are imitating God. You are not just a healer. You are imitating God and you are growing up to, to a higher level. Amen? So we find that uh, uh, the way Christ did things is, remember, what are we saying? We want to become like him. Our, our model, what is maturity? Christ. So be like that. That's what, that's what we are aiming at. Amen? And we are walking. How was he walking during crisis? He was unfast. He was not tossed up and down by things. He was confident of himself. He could step into a place and use his faith and get results. Amen? So the, the, the other question we would, one would was, you find in scriptures in a crisis, God asking people is, what do you have? A series of questions you find Jesus is asking is, where is your faith? Where is it? What happened to your faith? How is it that you're so fearful? How come you don't believe? Pointing them to faith. And also you find in scriptures that the word of God points us to what? What is in your hand? What is in your hand? What did, what did uh, God ask Moses at the Red Sea to do? What is in your hand? The what? The Lord. What's in your hand? The, uh, the woman and Elisha, the one who had a little oil, what did the man of God ask her? What do you have? Because, listen, God always has something that he has given you that you can use as your point of contact for your faith to grow. For your faith to grow. Now, you do what God tells you. You see, when he asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? He said, a rod. And God said, you lift it up over the sea. He didn't say, let me look for a hammer. A hammer is much more practical. Hammer is kituyanguvu. I think a hammer will work better. No. He is following the instructions that God is giving him. That is what? Faith. Has he ever seen this work before? No. But as he does that, he steps to a higher level. Hallelujah. And so we find that Never, uh, let me say this, he never leaves us without a seed to sow out of every situation. He never. So, you have faith, and you have what? Seed. In verse 15 of the scripture we were reading in, uh, in, uh, in Ephesians 4, verse, let's see verse 15. Verse 15, you got it? It says, uh, let me read it. We are to grow up in all things towards the end there. So, let me say this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. So, we are growing in many things. Amen? We are growing in faith. We are growing in love. We are growing in joy. We are growing in endurance. Amen? First Thessalonians 3, 12 says, and May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and 
overflow just as our love for you overflows. So you can grow in love. Say, I'm growing in love. Second Thessalonians 1.3, New King James Version says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because, let's read together, your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So they are growing in faith and in love. Remember, we are saying what? We are to grow in all things. Hallelujah. If you look at... Uh, James 1, 2 to 4 in the NLT, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, like this season of COVID and all that, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, let's read together, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, You'll be perfect, that word again, and complete, needing nothing. So you can grow even in tough situations. You are not only growing when everything is working perfect. You are growing even in difficult situations. Hallelujah. So say with me, I am growing. Even in this season. Yeah, we are supposed to be growing. God expects us to be growing all the time. We grow, we overcome. We grow, we overcome. We grow, we overcome. Right? Now, why do we need to grow? And I want to tie this up to the kingdom of God here. If you look at Mark 4, 30 to 32, in the New King James Version, Mark 4, 30 to 32, then he said, this is Jesus, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is more than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, remember God never leaves you without what? A seed. When it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots up large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. What is that? Say influence. So when you grow, you are able to do what? Influence. The more you grow, the greater the what? The influence. So God wants you and me in the church to grow so that the church can influence others. The examples I gave you from at the beginning, you see, people in the world are influencing others to follow what? Logic and the mathematics and the conclusion is there is no God. Another man is growing up in the things of God. He's growing up in intercession. He is growing up in faith. So he is influencing the world for what? For God. So God wants you and me to grow so that we are what? An influence to the world. Is it? Is that correct? So growth leads to influence. The more we grow, the more the influence. But you got to start where you are by doing what? Sowing. Sowing. Sowing what you have. Showing what you have. It's how you start practicing and growing. Amen? Luke 17, 5 to 6 in the New King James Version says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Luke 17, 5 to 6, New King James Version. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. 
Right? So the Lord said, if you have faith as a what? A mustard seed, you can say to this, that mulberry, is it mulberry tree? Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. So, see, that scripture, we can look at the seed and say, mustard seed is so small and all that. But the thing is, it grows. It grows. So if I start using what I have, when I say practice what you've learned, practice your faith, practice confessing the word of God, practice repentance, what, I'm, what do I we say? It's sowing. I'm sowing. I'm sowing. And I'm, as I'm sowing, I am growing because the, the seed is growing. Amen? You know, when I, I started coming to Victory Faith Church, my wife was, uh, was more, uh, can I say, she moved quickly to Mingo. I held my ground, right? So we attended membership, and she, we were certain. I had to come to her, with her, because if you're coming here at 8.30, I couldn't come and go home. So I grudgingly joined in. And uh, you, you ought to understand, I was a member in good standing in another church, whatever that means. So, <laughs> so I was thinking we are moving too fast. So she started coming, we started coming, and she did that. She joined membership. She joined care host training. I've not joined anything yet. She joined prayer training. <clears throat> I'm thinking, Mama, you need to slow down. So we are, we are coming here on Wednesday prayer meeting. And uh, I had only met Pastor Kara once before. And she was said, oh, this is Mary's husband. Said, oh, she had never, she didn't know me. So after that, a couple of weeks, I don't think it's, it was longer than that, I'm crossing my eyes here in the sanctuary on a Wednesday prayer meeting, you know, you know how the, uh, the, the word is ministered, then they would start setting the, 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 um, the environment for prayer. And so, eyes closed and hands lifted up, and Pastor Kara is leading the meeting. I had Francis. I kept my eyes shut. I mean, there are several Francis here. There's Francis Karanja, for one. Francis... <laughs> I thought, which Francis? Francis Ndeli. Oh, me. I opened my eyes like, oh, you want to know where Mary is? She's right there on the other side. She said, Francis, come and pray. Phew. <laughs> Pastor Kara. <laughs> I only joined membership because of my wife. She's the one who is trained as a care host. She's trained as a prayer person. You calling the wrong person. Boy, I, I came to the front shaking. I mean, how is this, I mean, how is this going to sound now? And, you know, I prayed. I don't know what I prayed. The following Wednesday, same thing. My goodness. I thought, what's wrong with her? And she's not explaining to me why she's calling me. The third week, I wasn't going to come. <laughs> she's going to have to look for somebody else. 
but I'm getting convicted. Now the problem is when I come, I'm not hearing what is being ministered. I'm thinking of prayers. <laughs> Do you understand? She didn't say, Francis, pray and listen if God wants you to pray. No, she just said what? Come and what? Pray. And I started praying. Praise the Lord. Have I grown? Yes. Was I anxious? Was I worried? Yes. Did the power, as soon as I stepped up and started moving, what happened? I started growing. Amen. One time, Pastor Davis was not in charge. I don't know where he was, but we were standing right here, Pastor Kara, uh, Reverend Wade, and myself, and the plan was after uh, Pastor Kara was, due, was to transition uh, and receive tithes and offerings, and Reverend Wade was, I think, to minister. And you know, the songs are, uh, the choir, the music is coming down now. And uh, Pastor Kara looks at me, says, you do the transition. <laughs> me. <laughs> I thought, where is Pastor Davis, dear Lord? And Reverend Wade reached out and said, you're going to do the transition? I said, looks like. <laughs> and I stepped up. And I had to just, I don't remember what they sang, you know, that last song they were singing. I had no idea what is being sung. But I am doing what? Practicing. Say practicing. Stepping out, practicing. That's what I encourage you to do this morning. That you got to start what? Stepping out and practicing what God is telling you to do. The, the, the first time Pastor Davis called me, and said, you receive tithes and offerings. I went home. I said, my, my family, uh, I'll be receiving tithes and offerings uh, next Sunday. They said, you? Yes. Who told you? Pastor Davis. Has he talked to Pastor Kara? I said, I don't know. He just told me. You need to, don't you think you need to call the church office and find out what is going on? Said, Pastor Davis called me. Um, she said, we will go to the Baptist church. I said, am I that bad? They had never had me receive tithes and offerings. There is always a first time. Tell your neighbor, there is always a first time. You step out and practice. You step out and practice. You learn and practice. And then you do what? You grow in the things of God. Amen. Say with me, no more timidity. No more fear. I'm stepping up into new things in Jesus' name. Let me give you quickly two examples of people who stepped up. Look at uh, this, uh, a man who was called the madman, the madman of Gadara. In Mark 5, 14 to 20, if you look at uh, there, verse, 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 uh, verse 14, so this man, uh, we are not there. Mark chapter 5, verse 14. Let me read it. It says, so those who have, oh, okay, it's there. So those who, this is after Jesus had cast out a legion of demons from this man. Those who fed the swine and they, they, they went to the city and told people what had happened. Let's go to the next verse. The next verse, please. So they came to Jesus. The people were called by the others. They came, they see what uh, the, the man who had been healed. Let's go on. Now the, those people were afraid. What did they say? Uh, and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. 
Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. That's strange. A man has been delivered of a demon, and when they come to see it, they chase Jesus away. Let's go on. However, Jesus did not... Uh, no, that's, that's, you've skipped a verse there. You skipped a sentence. Let's read all of it from where he... All right. And those, verse 17 says, Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Verse 18. And when he got into the boat, he who had been possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Let's go together. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. How many seminary lessons had this guy attended? How many? He was a mad man. <laughs> and now Jesus is telling him, don't come with me. Go. These people are chasing Jesus away. And this man is, knows them. So the man is able to go back there. If you look now at Matthew 4, 23 to 25, you see the results. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who are afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who are demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitude followed him. Look at that. Great multitudes followed him from where? Gariri and from? How did they know in Decapolis? They chased him away. The madman, no longer mad. He's doing great missionary work. Say, I can do better than that. You're, I mean, at least you don't have a demon you had to cast out of you. So you understand what I'm talking about? We can do it. Say, we can do it. I can do it. I can tell people what Jesus has done for me. As a minimum. Has Jesus done anything for you? That's a starting point. Amen? <laughs> look at the other man. Let me say this. If you look at uh, the Samaritan woman in John 4, 28 to 30, we see this woman uh, coming. The woman, and, and she had had an, uh, it's too long. We can't go into it. But what the Bible says here in verse 28, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that, I've ever, uh, that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Th uh, uh, and so this one, this one was not even sent. She sent herself. She just left her water pots there and left. <laughs> Amen. And then, look at verse, uh, let us look at verse uh, uh, 39 to 42. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is, this indeed, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. Say, I have somewhere to start. 
Amen. You can start sowing your seed in the area where God has delivered you and you start growing. Amen. We can do better. Why can we do better? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts 1, 8, it says that you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Has he come upon you? Then you have the power. You are better than the Samaritan woman. You are better than the madman of Gadara. You have an advantage of the Holy Spirit. And you can go and do the work of God. Look at the power. The, let me look at, let's look at one more scripture here of the effect of the Holy Spirit in, in enabling us to do things. Look at uh, Jude 1, 20. Jude 1, 20 to 21 in God's word version. It says, dear friends, use your most holy faith to grow. Pray with the Holy Spirit's help. Remain in God's love as you look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you eternal life. Hallelujah. How? What happens when you pray in the Holy Spirit? Your faith is growing. Your faith is growing. Because in the TPT version it says, but you, my delightful love reference, constantly and progressively build yourselves up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. Somebody say amen. amen. Have you received anything this morning? If there is anything I would encourage you, go out, do something with your faith. Do something with what God has done. At, as a minimum, start testifying of the goodness of God. Put scriptures in your mouth and start confessing them over your life. Start trusting what the word of God says above what the newspaper says, above what the economy says, above what the people say. Amen. Will you please rise up on your feet? And lift your hands. And just worship the Lord for a minute here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you that today you are encouraging us. Your word is telling us we have more than enough. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the power to go out there. We have the power to change our circumstances and the circumstances around us, Father. And Lord, we believe we receive your instruction to go ye into the world, to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness in our personal lives, bearing witness to our neighbors, bearing witness in our workplaces, bearing witness in our businesses that Jesus is Lord, that the gospel is true. There is one God in heaven and there is one Savior, His Son, Jesus Christ, who has given, been given to us to save the whole world. Father, we thank you for your word encouraging us today. We believe you that as we go, as we go, we are strengthened to bring forth much fruit in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.